You've been born again. You've been born by the Spirit. And you have come into this new spiritual life. So concerning the spiritual life, the gifts, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about those things. I want you, know, want you to know what it means to live and to walk in the Spirit. I want you to know what it means to be led by the Spirit. Because you were once led by your passions as a pagan, and you were just following pagan gods at, you know, at will. All right, the first part of 3 now, verse 3, 3a. He says, Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. He says there have been rumors that someone heard of somebody who supposedly spoke in tongues in a service and some understood the language and they were saying horrible blasphemous things as they were speaking in tongues. So Paul says it's been rumored that somebody at one time was speaking in tongues uh, in a service and they understood the language and and that they were saying horrible and blasphemous things as they were speaking in tongues. So Paul is writing to the Corinthians and says, says about this, no way. Because he said, nobody speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. You know, these rumors are spread to discourage people from seeking or using the gifts of the Spirit, especially the gift of tongues. He says, because you don't understand what you're saying, you might think that you're possessed by some evil spirit, and while you're speaking in tongues, that you're actually blaspheming Jesus Christ without knowing it. He says, people who say these things like this, they are close to blaspheming the Holy Spirit themselves. Jesus said in Luke 11, 11 through 13, he said, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to you or to those who ask him? He says, if you're asking and seeking God for the fullness of the Spirit, he says, you don't have to worry about some kind of counterfeit that Satan will come and take over because you're opening your heart to God. He's saying, that's a blasphemous idea of God. He says, you earthly father, you, you wouldn't do that to your children, would you? How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who, you know, who ask Him? The second part of verse 3. He says, And by no one can say that Jesus, I'm sorry, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So the confession that Jesus Christ is Lord is a confession that, that we're brought to by the Holy Spirit. You know, we can't confess that Jesus Christ is Lord without the Holy Spirit. So it's the Spirit of God that convicts us of our sinful condition. And it's the Spirit of God that points us to Jesus Christ as being the only answer for our sin. So when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord, it's by the Holy Spirit that we say Jesus Christ is Lord. You can't truly say that apart from the Spirit of God. You cannot say that except by the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart and in your life. Verse 4, Paul goes on to say, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. So Paul is now going to give us here a partial list of the gifts. It's not a complete list. 
In Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, Paul gives us a further listing of some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And at the end of this chapter, in verses 28 through 30, there will be even a further listing of gifts that aren't listed in the first part of this chapter here in chapter 12. So he says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. So here Paul is going to stress the unity of the body of Christ. Though there are diversities of gifts, different kinds of gifts, they're all coming from one spirit. Verse 5. There are differences of, the, of ministries, but the same Lord. So there are differences of ministries or administration, but the same Lord. So there are the gifts of the spirit, which we'll be looking at. Then there are administrative gifts that Paul will deal with at the end of the chapter. And he deals more fully in Romans chapter 12 with the administrative gifts with the body of Christ, within the body of Christ. And as we go further along, we'll, get, we'll, we'll look at these uh, in more detail. Again, I can say as we go further along. He says there are diversities of these administrations, these gifts of administration, but there is the same Spirit, the same Lord Verse 6, and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. In other words, there are different ways that God works in our lives, but it's the same God who does the work through us all. He says there's but one God, all right? But our God is a trinity. In verses 4 through 6, you, you have the Trinity mentioned here. Notice that it says in verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. So there you have the Holy Spirit. In verse 5, it says there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord, Jesus Christ. And then in verse 6, it says there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. So in these verses, you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit mentioned. You have the mention here of the triune God. The Trinity works together. There is a unity, but there is a variety in unity. And notice this. The Holy Spirit gives the gifts... The Lord Jesus Christ administers the gifts, and they're under his direction. And then the Father God supplies the power and energizes the gifts. All of this is for one purpose, and that is the exalting and the glorifying of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not to puff up the believer. Verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So first of all, let's define a gift. What is a gift of the Spirit? It's an ability for service. It is a work. This is Dr. Lewis Sperry Schaefer's definition of a gift. He says, a gift in the spiritual sense means the Holy Spirit doing our particular service through the believer and using the believer to do it. So it must be done. The gift, the working of the gift must be done in the power of the Spirit of God. See, that's why Jesus told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they received the power of the Holy Spirit. Because what the disciples were going to be called to do, they could not do in their own strength. Hey, God asks us to do some things sometimes, man, that we don't have the power to do. I have no power. I am nothing. I have nothing. I, I am no use to God or, 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 or man in my own strength apart from the Holy Spirit. 
But he did give me a gift. Each one of you, as we'll see as the scripture says, and I am to use that gift. That is, I believe that the only way that the Spirit of God will manifest himself in my life is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Manifestation of the Spirit is what a gift is. It is the the Spirit manifesting himself in you. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean the use of a natural gift. You know, a lot of people have natural gifts and talents. For example, you may have a gift for teaching. You may have a gift in music. But if you don't teach in the power of the Holy Spirit, God can't use it. And he doesn't use it. And this is why somebody can teach. And it's not effective. Teachers are musicians. They think all that they need is the talent and the training. But you can see, you can tell whether or not a teacher or musician is adding to a service or taking away from the service. The Holy Spirit can use the natural ability of a believer if the believer will let him do it. But natural talent by itself is nothing unless it's under the control of the Holy Spirit. Jesus self said in John 15, you, you can do nothing apart from me. He's the one moves in us and moves through us. There was an ad for a worship leader position that read like this. Church desires heart for leading worship, not performing worship. And that's important to understand. There's a lot of worship today that is performance, that is is to show their talent and their skill and what they can do. But God, God won't use that. And I remember one time in a men's, a pastor's conference, there was a worship band up there that was leading worship. And there was this one guy on his guitar, man, and he was, he was almost doing Chuck Berry up there. And Pastor Chuck, after the service, went up to the worship leader. I don't want that man back up here next, next service. He says, we're leading worship. We're not performing worship. It's important for us to understand that. God is the one doing the work. Not you, not me. There are those who have no, and then there are those who have no particular talent. And they say, and a lot of times in the church, you see this, well, you know, I can't sing. You know, I, I, I can't play an instrument. I can't teach. There's really, I, I really, there's nothing that I can do. You know, so they, they just figure, you know, I just, I come to church and I just love the Lord. But that's one of the saddest mistakes in the church. Look at verse 7 again. But the manifestation of the Spirit, notice, is given to who? Each one, each one of you here, born again, have a gift. You just got to find out what it is. And you do that through prayer and, and, and just, you know, it took many years, well, several years before I realized what, you know, where I wanted to serve, what I wanted to do. And, and I just began, you know, going through you know, different, the, the cleaning ministry and, and, and ushering and, and, and just, I guess, well, you know, this just wasn't, didn't seem to be where, where you know, I, I fit. And then, you know, and Kathy and I were both at the time, you know, searching and didn't know where to serve. And, and to make a long story short, when, when uh, we were um, watching, uh, we, we were at the first um, Bible school that, that Pastor All had at Calvary Chapel, West Covina. And they had a one-year Bible school, and Kathy and I were going, and, and 
make a long story, it was the marriage ministry where Kathy and I felt that that's where we were called to be. And, and it was a blessing because Kathy and I were in the marriage ministry for years, and, and we still are, just not as involved as we were before. But uh, we just knew this is it, and this is where we wanted to be. But we began to just search and seek out by going through and, 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 and being involved in different ministries. And then God said, this is it. This is where we felt called, and, and that's where we spent a lot of our time in the early years of ministry was in the marriage ministry itself. And so each one of you have a gift. What's the purpose of the gift? Notice it said there in verse 7. Notice, for the profit of all. The profit of all. If you are a child of God, you have a gift. You've been put into the body of believers as a member of the body, and you are to function as a member of the body of Christ. And the purpose of your gift is to build up the church, to build up the body of believers. It's not to be used selfishly. It's not to glorify myself. It is to give spiritual help to other believers. And you'll see later on, Paul uses the word edify three times. Edifying and edification to the body of Christ. Not to puff us up or to say, oh, how spiritual I am because I have this gift or that gift. So again, it, Paul makes that very clear. Verse, uh, verse 8, the first part. Notice it says, as he begins now to list the gifts here, this partial list of gifts here. In verse 8, uh, verse eight he says, For to one, notice, no one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. So the word of wisdom. And we see that used in Acts chapter 15. Remember, uh, a problem came up in the Gentile church of Antioch. Because there were certain brothers there who came to the church to spy out the Christians' liberty in Christ. And those Jewish, brother, those Jewish um, guys, uh, brothers came and they began to bring division in the church because being from the Jewish traditional background, these brothers who got saved but they were still from the uh, Jewish traditional background, they felt that a Gentile couldn't be saved. So they told these Gentile believers, you're not really saved. You can't be saved unless you've been circumcised and you keep the law of Moses. And so when Paul heard about this, he got a hold of them. He said, hey, brothers, he says, where in the world did you, you get this idea? They said, well, we've come with the authority of the church in Jerusalem. Paul said, well, you know what? Let's go back to the church in Jerusalem and let's settle this thing right now. Because you guys are causing a, a division in the body of Christ. So, and, and they're in Corinth. So Paul took some of the brothers from the church in Antioch and these Jews back to the church in Jerusalem. They held the first church council in Acts 15 to determine whether or not the Gentiles should be required to keep the law of Moses and be circumcised in order to be saved. In other words, do they have to become a Jew in order to be saved? And then we read what James said to them. James says, you know, we shouldn't trouble these Gentiles who turn to God. He said, but let's write to them to refrain from the pollution of idols and to refrain from fornication and things strangled and from blood. And so it says that, the, that it pleased the apostles and the elders with the whole church. In other words, James came up with the right answer. He says, if they do that, if they do those things, they do well. And everyone was satisfied and the problem was solved. That was the word of wisdom that God gave James because the problem was solved. And in the Old Testament, we find Solomon who was gifted with the words of wisdom. And we see the examples of Solomon's wisdom in the Proverbs. Wisdom is the proper use of knowledge. There are people who are very knowledgeable. 
but not very smart. They don't have wisdom. Solomon said, with all your understanding, notice, get wisdom. Wisdom is the main thing, he said. Knowledge without wisdom can be dangerous. And we have a lot of this today. There are a lot of very knowledgeable people, but they're not very wise. And I think we see that in the way the country is being run. Knowledgeable, educated, but not wise. Second part of verse 8. All right, so one was given a word of wisdom. He says, to another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. The word of knowledge. This is knowing things supernaturally. Things that you wouldn't have known by natural logic. It's by revelation of the Holy Spirit. We see this in Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts chapter 5 when they sold their possessions. They brought a part of the money, but not all of it. But they were acting like they were giving it all, all the money that, that you know, they had made from selling uh, their possessions. And so when Ananias came in and laid the money at Peter's feet, Peter said, is that how much you sold it for? Ananias said, yep. Peter said, why has Satan deceived your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You haven't lied to men, you've lied to God. Now, how would Peter know this? if the Holy Spirit hadn't told him. See, it was, a, it was the word of knowledge as he was telling the truth to Ananias. And by the word of knowledge, he realized that Ananias was lying, that he was pretending to give everything when he was really holding some back. Now, again, he didn't have to give everything. God didn't ask him to give everything. So, you know, he, he, was, he was in right in giving just that part of it where he messed up as he lied to God by saying, yeah, I sold it all and I'm giving it to you all. And, and the Holy Spirit gave Peter a word of knowledge. In Proverbs 2, 6, Solomon said, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, come knowledge and understanding. So the Spirit gives the word of wisdom and to another the Spirit gives the word of knowledge all through the same Spirit. Verse 9, the next gift that Paul talks about. To another, faith by the same Spirit. The gift of faith. In Acts chapter C, we see the, 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 the gift of faith um, exercised here. In Acts chapter 3, remember Peter and John? They're going to the temple of prayer to pray. And there was a lame man who was laid, laid there every day next to the gate called Beautiful. And he would beg for alms, that is, he would beg for charity, for help, you know, as those that, for those, from those who were passing by. So he would beg for alms from the people going into the temple to pray. So as Peter and John were entering the temple, the man asked them for alms. You know, he asked them for some help. And then Peter said, I don't have any silver and gold, but what I have, I will give it to you. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand to your feet and walk. Peter lifted him to his feet, and immediately he was healed. It was through faith in his name, Jesus' name, that he was made whole. Peter told him, hey, it's not my faith. He gave me the faith. It was the gift of faith in operation here. The Lord gave Peter that moment of faith. That's the gift of faith. Now, there are times when God just gives you faith to do something. It doesn't always come. But there are times in certain situations when you just have the faith. It's going to happen. It's just going to happen. God is going to work. He gives you that gift of faith. The second part of 9b, he says, and to another gifts of healing by the same spirit. So the gifts of healings, there are gifts of healings. 
Anytime God has touched you and healed you, you've received a gift of healing. The Bible tells us, is anyone, anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. And when God touches and heals a person, they've received a gift of healing. We've seen God work over the years and heal people from the theater to this day. The gift of healing and healings both by the same spirit, Paul says. Verse 10. He says, to another, the working of miracles. All right? The working of miracles. In the book of Acts, in chapter 9, verse 40, when Peter prayed for Dorcas, she was raised from the dead. That was a miracle. Then he goes on to say, then the the next gift, another is, is the gift of prophecy. Now, the gift of prophecy isn't just predicting the future. But it's also to speak to others, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 3, edification and exhortation and comfort. Then there's the discerning of spirits. Now, this means the ability to distinguish between the false and the true. Back in Acts chapter 8, Simon the sorcerer saw the Holy Spirit being imparted uh, to others by the laying on of the hands of of the disciples. And he asked Peter, he says, hey, Peter, he says, I'd like to buy this gift. You know, how much, how much would it cost me? And then Peter began to exercise the discernment of the Spirit. And he said to Simon, Simon, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You see, Simon wanted this gift not for the purposes of God. Simon wanted this gift for his own glory because, you see, he was in the business of of sorcery and and doing magical things. And he thought, if I could add this to his repertoire, that uh, people go, oh, man, this guy's got it all. This, this, This guy can help me. So he wanted it for himself. He didn't want it for the glory of God. And then Paul goes on to say... In, in that there are then the, the different, uh, different kinds of tongues. There's different kinds of tongues. On the day of Pentecost, as they were waiting on the Lord, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues. Now, there were some 17 different languages that were being spoken there. In Acts chapter 2, it uh, says that they were speaking the wonderful works of God. Notice that. They weren't all giving different messages about things and going. They were speaking the wonderful works of God. And then it says that there there was the interpretation of tongues. Now, this is where one person is speaking in another tongue. And another person interprets what's being said by the Holy Spirit. It's not by natural understanding. It's not by translating. It's an interpretation. It's a gift of the Spirit that Paul will talk about more later on in chapter 14. And then in verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, he might give you two gifts. He might give you three. Maybe even more. But he gives to each man individually as he wills indicating that God deals with a man or a woman on a personal level, on a personal basis. And as he wills, it says, this means that the sovereign gift that God gives, the sovereign God gives the gifts in harmony with his purpose. And it's God and not man who chooses the gift to be given. So man shouldn't dictate what, what gift he, 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 you know, to, that he wants. 
He shouldn't be telling you, hey, this is what I want, that's what I want, and, and you know, I want this one. Even though Paul said to earnestly desire the best gifts. But no, no one gift should be thought of as being more important or more spiritual than the other. Nor should any particular gift be chosen or seen as better than any other or the absolute manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And there are those who will tell you in certain churches that unless you speak in tongues, you have not been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, that's not taught in the Bible. And this is one of the things that really people have a lot of trouble understanding is, is the use and the speaking of tongues. And I know when uh, my own personal life and Kathy's too, you know, coming out of the Catholic church, the, the church services, and the, they're very quiet. They're very somber. You know, you, you don't do much. You, you just listen to what the priest is saying for the most part. And I remember when Pastor Rall, before he was a pastor, he got saved. He was he, he, on fire for God, and he was going to his friends and inviting them to church and wanting them to be saved naturally. And so I remember when he, he came and asked me and Kathy and my friend Joey, who goes to church here, we are all friends and still are, obviously, and, and he asked us to go to church with him. And we did. I had to see what had drastically changed Rawl from what he was to what he was at, at the time and now. And so Kathy and I and Joey go with him to church, and we're going to a prayer meeting that they, would have, they had before the church service. And so uh, the man up there gave a devotion, and, you know, he leads us into prayer, and then pretty soon it just broke out to it. Everybody was praying. Some were real loud, and some were praying, and they were speaking in tongues here and tongues there, and it was just... It was just, I just was, I didn't know what was going on. And I was freaking out. I just thought, this, this, this can't be real. This, you know, and, and I just, I, after it was all done, I, I told him, I said, I said, don't you ever ask me to go to church again. I was just so freaked out. You know, I, I, I never heard it before. I never, you know, and it just, you know, it, it scared me. And, and, and many years later, after I was saved, when I used to uh, work for an, a pharmaceutical company down in L.A., you know, a, a boss asked me one day, he says, Joe, can I ask you something? Because he knew I was a Christian. And I said, sure. He says, my girlfriend asked me to go to church with her this weekend. And uh, she, he said, I, I went. But he says, I, I don't know what was going on. He says, the pastor was, was preaching, and then all of a sudden somebody jumped up in the back and started speaking in tongues and another person over here and another over here and he just he and these were his these were his words he says i'll never go back again because he says it was it was like a circus and i really felt bad because he's thinking that this is what church is and this is what in the the bible teaches in, in, in part yeah but not in, in that sense where there was no order People were just kind of led to do or felt led to do their own thing. And this is what well, he said, you know, he's, and, and when I first experienced it, I said, I don't ever ask me to go to church again. He said, I will never go to church again. And, and you know, and, and people, you know, you're seeking and, and you know what? It, 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 it just, it frightened them. And Paul speaks about it later on and, and how to use, you know, uh, have somebody there that can interpret and, and the whole thing but again we'll get into that further on but just that experience is just 
it can be frightening and and it can just scare people into not wanting to come to church so again it, it, we, we need to follow the, the biblical teaching and the biblical exercises Paul teaches us so again we can lead people to Christ and, and understand what's going on you know as the Bible leads us and guides us so and again, in, in, in saying that, that the only manifestation of the Holy Spirit is to speak in tongues, that would be to distort the work of the Holy Spirit and to disrupt the divine unity. But it's the same Spirit, Paul said, the same God, the same Lord that does all, gives all of these gifts. And, and, and it's, it's the unity of the Spirit of God, the oneness in the body of Christ. And so Paul in these first 11 verses, you know, begins to lay out the, the gifts and, and, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and the Father and how they're all, you know, involved in the, the blessings of the gifts. So, you know, he, he closes here again in, in verse 11, you know, and, and he lets us know here that uh, again, he says that, but one but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So in closing, the Holy Spirit gives these gifts as he wills, not according to our will. And, and you know what? We, no Christian should complain about his or her gifts, and nor should any believer boast about his or her gifts. We are many members in one body ministering to each other. And that's the thing. We're ministering to each other. Each gift of God has its own purpose to accomplish in the community of believers and the world in general. If a gift doesn't benefit others, it's not of God. It's the Holy Spirit who gives the gift. And it's the Lord himself who causes it to be useful. Think of it. What is the use of having a gift if it's not accomplishing its intended purpose in the lives of others? They're given to us to edify the body of Christ, to profit all, to build up the body of Christ, to strengthen the body of Christ. So let us do that. Let us say, Lord, if I don't know what my gift is, Lord, show me. And let me begin to seek and to, and to, and to ask the Lord, what is my gift that I may do my part in the body of Christ? That I may help build up my brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful beginning, Father, of the gifts of the Spirit, Lord, and and Father, let us not be afraid of the gifts of the Spirit, Lord. For when they are, for, for when they are practiced and, and used properly, Lord, they're a blessing, God. And, and we're blessed to be able to be receivers of those gifts, God. And we're so thankful that you give us gifts, God, to use for your glory, to point to you, to bring, bring honor and glory to you, Lord. And Father, we pray now that you would just, your spirit would begin to show us, Lord, that we would be anxious and excited to learn what our gift is if we don't know, God. And to use it for your glory, for the profit of all, to bring glory and honor to your name and to serve our brothers and sisters. 
And so, Lord, we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother James, if you'll come out now and lead us.